We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. Carolyn Gower, guess what? I got news for you. What's that news, Johnny Polo? (laughs) Today is the 50th episode of the My Person Died 2 podcast. Did you know that? I did know that. And what a milestone that is. Yeah, you knew that because you told me. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And we were stuck at number 41 for so long this year. Yeah, we were stuck at 41 for a while. Um, Okay, so we have the podcast. We have a book. Before we get going on this episode, we want to tell our listeners about the newest project that we are working on together. You want to tell them? Yeah, I'm busting to tell everyone. So we have a virtual retreat called Forward coming up in February. Now, this retreat's for all widowed people, male, female, married, not married. Every widowed person is welcome to join us on this retreat. And it is on. John, would you like to share when it's on? February 17th for those listeners in the U.S. If you're outside the country, I'm going to need you to do the math yourself. But for those in the U.S., it is February 17th, which is on a Saturday at 5 p.m. Central Time. It's going to be a five-hour retreat. Don't worry. We will give you a little bit of a break in between so you don't have to listen to me and look at me for five straight hours. (laughs) Um, We're super excited about it. And yes, it is open for everybody. Again, the title of the retreat is called Forward. That being said, space is unbelievably limited. And if you know me, you know I'm not really good with sales because I don't know how to bullshit. So when I say it's unbelievably limited, that's not to get you to sign up really quick. That's because it's unbelievably limited. This is a very small retreat we're going to do. We want to keep it intimate. So if you're interested, go to my website or Carolyn's website and you can sign up. Yes, we would love to see everyone there. And for our Aussie listeners, it is on Sunday, February the 18th, uh, 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. So if you'd like more details, head along to our websites, which are in the show notes, and check it out. So this episode, do you want to tell them what we're going to be doing on this episode? Yes. Yeah, so this Oh, wait, episode- Carolyn. Hold yes. on. I forgot. La- like two weeks ago. I reprimanded both of us because we wrote a book together that we never promote. So let's just get that out of the way real quick. The stupid shit people say to grievers. If you haven't read it yet, you're missing out. So go to Amazon or our website, pick up that book as well. Now we can talk about this week's episode, my friend. So what are we doing this week? Okay. So this week's episode is entitled Grief Truths. Now this episode we could have talked about for two days. There is so many grief truths that we could have shared with you today. However, we've um, limited to a few that, you know, we we think most people can relate with, and we're going to share about 11 each of our own grief truths. 
Now, we thought it would be a good idea to share these with you because for those of you that are listening who are grieving, we wanted to validate what you're going through. We know it can be a really lonely journey through grief and you might feel that you're the only one feeling some of these things. So we wanted to validate that for you and let you know that you're not alone. And also our hope is that there's some people who aren't grieving or maybe supporting someone who is grieving and it'll help them to understand a little bit better what they might be going through. Okay, so some of these I'm going to just say, others I'm going to read. They're either from a book or they're from something I put on social media. So is it okay if I give the first one? Yes, go for it. Okay, so this is something I wrote years ago. Sometimes being around happy couples and families can be so hard. It's not about being jealous or having ill will. It's about seeing what you once had and the ache that you feel for all that was lost. Mm, So true. Grief is normal. And I think people sometimes forget this. Grief is a natural reaction when someone you love dies. So don't ever let anyone else make you feel that your grief is not valid. Love it. So true. I never, ever, ever expected anyone to understand my pain. I knew that they couldn't. What I expected and eventually demanded is that everybody respect my pain. I knew that they absolutely could if they wanted to. Yes. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. If you've experienced a profound loss, you probably already know that grief has no rule book. While there can be a lot of similarities, everyone's grief is unique to them. 100%. For widowed people especially, Our self-esteem and our self-worth tends to plummet after we lose our person for a whole lot of reasons, which I won't get into right now, right? Once we are ready to start trying to actively rebuild ourselves and our life, we have to zone in on the way that we feel about ourselves, our self-esteem, our self-worth, and the way that we speak to ourselves, the dialogue that we have within ourselves and the narrative we have about ourselves. These things are going to be absolutely essential as you try to rebuild. Oh, yeah, that is so, so true. Even when the death is expected, it still comes as a complete shock. Now, look, people might think it's like in the movies, beautiful words are spoken and you get to say goodbye. No, it's just not often the case. I pretty much knew for five and a half years that I was going to see Tony die at some stage. However, when the time did come, I just thought he was having a sleep after a busy day with hospital visitors. But then within a few hours, he was unconscious and I knew he wasn't going to wake up and I'd never have a chance to speak with him again. So I didn't really get the goodbye that I thought I was going to get. And also relating to this one, People often think that your grief won't be as bad when the death is expected because you've already grieved. Now, look, John, I personally don't agree with that. Yes, there is anticipatory grief. However, I don't feel that it makes your grief any easier after their death. 
Okay, so I know we were supposed to just read these and not have a conversation about them, but I need to touch base <laughs> on that one real quick. So I know that you and I both hate the words at least. And I have been doing this work for six years now, and I've been, I have a list of like 600 video ideas I want to do. <laughs> and the at least video idea has been sitting there for six years. Eventually, I'll do it. Um, no good comes out of those words at all. Yeah. And whether you lost your person suddenly, whether they were sick, those two types of losses, sudden losses versus loss to illness are so unbelievably profoundly different. They are so unbelievably horrible in their own unique way, right? And yes. when when people try to compare, it does nothing but invalidate what the other person has gone through. Right. 100%. Like all deaths are horrible, no matter how they happen, sudden or expected. All deaths are horrible. That's it. Right. And I don't have the trauma of a sudden loss, and I can't really imagine that. But what I do have the trauma of is two and a half years of watching her die. Yeah. Right. So again, like they're, they're both so horrible in their own unique way. 100%. Um, okay, so this one I'm going to read is from my first book. And the title of this page is called Superman. There are days that I feel like him, like I can conquer the world, like I, like I can accomplish anything. And then there are other days, other days of deep grief, other days of intense pain, other days where progress seems impossible. We know that I want to say every single widowed person, but I mean, come on now, pretty much every single widowed person can relate to this. And it's very important to spell it out for people that this is common. And I'm not talking about early on. I'm talking about, you know, maybe two years has passed, whatever it is, and you're having a good day. And then you get hit the next day and you feel like you're back at square one. You're not actually back at square one. And this is a normal feeling, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%, John. Um, people have a bad day and they do automatically think, oh, you know, I'm back where I was. I, what's wrong with me? I've just gone back. So when people think they're like back at square one, like they're a couple of years out, now they've had a really bad day or a bad week or a bad month and they feel like they're back at square one. One of, this is a very general statement, but, you know, when you were at square one, you didn't know how to get to square two. Yeah. Or square three or square four. So, you know, I'm almost eight years out. If I have a couple really bad days, it's gonna make me feel like I'm back at square one because that's when the intensity of the grief comes back. But again, when I was at square one, I didn't know how to make progress. Mm. Right. I didn't even believe that progress was possible. Okay, we're going off on tangents here. Give me <laughs> your next one, my friend. My next one is your grief will always be the worst grief for you. And quite simply, that's because it affects you. It alters your life. So naturally, it is going to feel like the worst grief for you. So I'm going to read another page from a book, another grief truth, okay? And then I'll explain why I'm reading this after. This page says, my wife was amazing, absolutely amazing. But the truth is, she is not the only amazing woman to ever be born. As I hope to fall in love again one day, I don't compare new love interests to her. That would be a disservice to them, to me, and to her. 
she was one in 7 billion, just as I am, just as you are. There will never be another Michelle, just as there will never be another John or another John and Michelle. When looking for love again, I'm not looking for another Michelle. I'm simply looking to find another human who I adore. And the reason that I read that on this episode is... I really do believe that we are doing a disservice to everybody when we compare. Now, it's important to admit that comparing is normal. It's a human thing. If your mind and your heart takes you there, you can visit. You don't have to unpack. Right. And the other thing I want to say, and we did it, we've done entire episodes about love and new relationships and everything. So if you're a new listener, go back, you'll find them. Is when you fall, in love again, it does not in any way, shape, or form take away from the fact that you will always love your person, miss your person, and in some form, grieve your person, right? Absolutely. Um, so I'm in a new relationship. My Michelle cup is still just as full as it's ever been. The difference is now I have an Allen cup as well. Hmm. I did a whole thing on that, but we won't yeah. do that here. And I love Go that. Ahead, <laughs> I love that so much. Our grief makes people around us uncomfortable. And sometimes that uncomfortableness will make some stupid shit come out of their mouth. <laughs> and that's why we wrote a book about it. What's the name of our book, Johnny Poo? <laughs> the stupid shit people say to grievers. Yes. You know, which leads that's me to my next one, which is, it's not about saying the perfect thing. Are there words that someone can say to you that will prove helpful? 100 million percent. Absolutely. There are words that people can say to you to help your mind, to help your heart, to help all, everything. But sometimes it truly is just about seeing someone's damn pain and validating their pain and respecting their pain and listening to their pain. And as I've talked before on this podcast, rubbing their back as they sob uncontrollably right yeah yeah so i think true. we were supposed to do 11 each and we lost track here but we'll keep going i'll just keep <laughs> going down my list go ahead well that one that you've just uh, mentioned was actually similar to one that i've jotted down and it was sometimes words of comfort from others can feel like just background noise so even if they might be saying the right things and mean well You've heard all of those common platitudes and comments so much that they just come across as a bit empty. You know, I was on the phone. I don't know if I told this story before on this podcast. I don't think I did. I was on the phone with one of my clients a couple of months ago, and he was telling me he was at lunch, I think, with his cousin or maybe his brother. I forget who it was. And this person said, you know, you're doing so well, right? So he told my client who is a widower you're doing so well and my client didn't love that comment and the reason why we sometimes don't love that comment is because yeah you see me right now yeah you see me now that i cleared off my face you see me now that i kind of forced a smile on my face you didn't see me four hours ago or four days ago when i was on the floor sobbing uncontrollably right so even when somebody says something to us that is very well-intentioned, sometimes it can leave us feeling unseen. Absolutely. And, you know, they see such a small portion of our day 
and make assumptions right. on that. But as you said, they're not seeing the full picture. Well, and it's the reverse too. I know we're going off on tangents here, which we weren't <laughs> supposed to. We said we weren't going to do that before we uh, press record. But it's in reverse too, which is, you know, you could be having a good day or a good week and then you have a bad moment and then your sister comes over to pick up some, you know, a dress she's going to borrow and she only sees that and she mm -hmm. goes back and she tells her husband ah you know Susie is a mess well no Susie is actually holding it together Susie is actually talking to her coach or her therapist Susie's going to grief group Susie's yeah. you know making an effort to be with her friends so sometimes people only see as you said the snapshot yeah. or the results Right. It's very easy yes. to only look at the results, but you're not seeing the effort someone is making to survive and rebuild. Yeah. And it's really hard when you are putting in that much effort and people don't see that and they bring you down. And once again, that's where your self-esteem and self-worth can yep. take a huge hit. 100%. I now, think it's your turn. We, right. Yeah. <laughs> we could have a lot to say about this, but I'll just say this comment. Grief will often reduce your tolerance for other people's bullshit. Ooh, 100%. That leads me to one I have on my piece of paper here, which is that after you have a truly profound loss, it shines a bright light on the people in your life. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to something I've talked about for years now, which is like, I don't think that grieving people expect special treatment. But what we do expect is do not make my life more difficult than it already fucking is. Yeah. That's what we expect. Right. So I think it shines a bright light on the people in your life, good or bad. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my next one, which is people are going to leave your life. Even some of the ones who you thought would always be there. But the good news is that new people will come into your life and these relationships can be so healing and fulfilling. 100%. Um, all right, next one. This is a pretty basic one, but I've been saying it for years and I think it's really important. So I'm going to say it here. We can grieve as we move forward and we can move forward as we grieve. It's a very simplistic concept that these two things walk hand in hand. But again, much of society doesn't see that. Right. They think that you can only, you know, if you're grieving, you can't start moving forward in different ways. Yes, you can. Or if you're moving forward, you're done with grief. Clearly, that's not it. So, again, I'm going to say it one more time. As simplistic as it is, I think it's unbelievably important that people understand this. We can grieve as we move forward and we can move forward as we grieve. And as we know, when we talk about forward, some people think <laughs> dating. We're not yes. talking about that. We're talking about all the things. Yes, yes. That's one of my favourites, John. I love that one. Grief does not have prescribed stages that you should be working through. Now, most of you are probably familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. However, as we have discussed on here before, John, these were originally meant for dying people. And look, even Elizabeth Kubler-Ross herself was always very, very clear that these stages didn't go in order and were not linear. 
So while you may feel each of these things at some point in your grief, there are not state they are not stages to move through. Love that. And I actually didn't know that she was clear about that until you told me, which I appreciated. Um because yeah. I just would listen to those five stages and think, well, this doesn't really I don't think this is accurate for somebody who has lost somebody, right? Yeah. Um I wasn't going to talk about this today. It wasn't on my piece of paper, but I am since you have brought it fresh into my mind. 100% there aren't stages. I believe in the philosophy that I've been teaching for a while that I came up with, which is I think generally speaking, there are three phases. And again, generally speaking, this doesn't mean it's going to be for everybody. Survive first, where you're just hanging on for dear life, whether or not you want to even survive this, you're just hanging on for dear life. Exist second, where you can look back and you can say, okay, I am actively surviving this and I am going to survive this. Again, whether or not you even want to, but I'm certainly not living again. I'm just going through the daily motions. And then I think the third phase is living again. Yeah. One of the most important things to remember about these three phases that I kind of created here is that again, it's fluid. I know I've talked about it on this podcast before, but it's worth repeating. You know, I'm seven and a half years out. Am I in the living again phase? Yes. Are there moments and days where I feel like I'm in existing? Absolutely. Are there moments and days where I feel like I'm back in survival? Yeah. Right. So just because you're in one place doesn't mean you're always going to be there. It's fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, John. And that's exactly the nature of grief. You, you know, ride yep. those waves as they come. Yep. Okay. So. <laughs> We have a little confession to make here. Our Johnny here just had to go for a little pee break and he's come back and we've got a bit sidetracked with our little chat about what we're talking about in this episode. And now we can't remember who spoke last. That's so all right. We, you can go ahead. <laughs> we're going to resume Since I again. fucked it up. And yeah, I, I messed it up by having to go pee, so you can go first. <laughs> okay. The death of someone you love is so much worse than what you could ever have imagined it was like until you experienced it. Nothing can prepare you for it. So please be gentle with yourself. And if you're supporting someone going through grief, please be gentle with them. Absolutely, 100%. So this next one I did a video on, and I might have talked about it a long time ago on this podcast. I can't remember. When my dad was sick and dying, at first, like, you know, they said he had about a year the cancer then went into remission. And when it came back, then we knew he was in fact going to die for sure. Before he got really, really sick, he would want to stay home and play cards and have family and friends over to just hang out. So we did that every weekend. And a couple of my dad's high school buddies would come over and they would hang out with us and play cards, et cetera. And I had met them when I was a little kid a couple times, but that was it. And they would sit around the table and they would tell stories about my dad as a kid in high school, et cetera. And still to this day, this was in 2007, still to this day, those stories are some of the best gifts I have ever been given. Yes. So when we open up the space for somebody who is grieving to talk about their person. We don't force it upon them, but we open up the space. That is an absolute gift. When we talk, 
about the person, right? Like if I go to lunch with a friend and they bring up Michelle, that is an absolute gift that they're giving me. But what I think is an even more profound gift is when they tell us stories that we otherwise would not have known, yes. right? So they told me those stories and they allowed me to know my dad and experience him in a way I never would have if it wasn't for them. And that's a grief truth because I just think it's an yeah. incredible gift that we can give people. Such a gift. Yeah. As grievers, we love to hear stories about our person, yet so many people avoid it because they think it'll make us sad. But um, right. it's the, yep. the biggest gift you can give to us. So yep. everyone say their name. Yep, for sure. Grief triggers or activators can hit you at the most unexpected times. Now, we all expect them on the big dates, the important dates, anniversaries, birthdays, everything, but it's hearing your song as you walk through a shopping centre on just a random Tuesday afternoon. That's what can hit you when you just don't expect it. Absolutely. My next one is that platitude suck. And I know we've talked about it before, um, but they really do. And again, I will continue to say this. If I want to say something that's a platitude about my loss, I could say it all day, every day. But don't bring it to my table. Yeah. Right. Don't give me the everything happens for a reason. Don't give me the God needed or more. Don't give me, you know, they're in a better place. I actually do believe my wife is in a better place, but you don't fucking say that to me. If I want to say it, it's okay. And by the way, I'd still rather her be down here than her better yeah. place, right? Like, yeah. no, I want her here in the physical form. So yeah. platitudes, a vast majority of the time, are unhelpful. And even though they come with the best intention, they usually make us feel like our pain is not being validated. Yes, yes, 100%. And that kind of leads into my next one, which is time may heal the scrape on your knee, but it does not heal grief. However, over time, you will get to know your grief and learn how to carry it. Over time, it will feel gentler. And over time, memories will more often bring a smile to your face rather than that sharp pain in your heart. But time does Absolutely. not heal. It, grief is never, ever completely healed. Absolutely. So I think we're doing an episode on this later in this season, post-traumatic growth. So I won't get into it too much, but I just want to say something quick here. Post-traumatic growth is a real thing. It's something that I've definitely experienced. But here's my grief truth, other than the fact that it can be a real thing. The fucking trauma gets no credit. Yeah. Right? The whole, like, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No. Like, it's weird to think this, but it is what you see on social media. It makes a lot of us feel like the trauma is getting the credit. I deserve the credit for yeah. surviving hell when yeah, I wanted nothing yeah. more than to die. Right? Like, I deserve credit for somehow, some way picking myself back up. You deserve the credit. Our listeners deserve the credit. Yeah. So post-traumatic growth is a real thing. But make sure if you've experienced it, you are giving yourself the credit for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I like to say I like the person I've become, but I just don't like what I had to go through to get here because that shit just ain't 
worth it. Exactly. 100%. I'm the best version of myself today that I've ever been. I have a lot of clients that can say that. Mm. But yeah, I mean, if I had a time machine and the power to change the course of history, she would have never got sick. She'd still be here. And I would still have all the traits that I look back and really didn't like about myself, right? <laughs> Fuck my growth. Absolutely. Fuck my growth. It is absolutely normal to feel guilty when you have a good day or when you start to smile again. Even though deep down, I think we all know that there's nothing wrong with smiling and having good days, but our mind tends to play tricks with us and we start questioning ourselves. Just know that the guilt is normal, so acknowledge it and let it go. Those feelings will tend to subside over time. I could talk about that all day. Um, I think we have an episode about that. We, we probably do. need to talk about it I more. Think, yeah. Yeah. It, in the future, um, my teachings have evolved around that a little bit. It goes back to the platitude of they would want to see you happy. Yeah. We know they would want to see us happy. Like, yeah. I don't, I think that we know that that platitude puts a lot of pressure on our shoulders. Yeah. Without getting into it too much, I think the one thing that I see a lot with clients is they sometimes deprive themselves mm. of pursuing or embracing moments of happiness or peace in their deceased loved one's honor. Yes. And to me, that does them no honor, right? But that's like a whole episode. So oh, we'll talk yeah, about that more yeah. in the future. So so much to go through with that. Yeah. So I have three more grief truths, and I know you have a couple more. Um, secondary losses. So if you're new to the podcast, we have an entire episode on this. Please go back and find it. Very real thing. And again, when we talked about secondary losses, we didn't just look at it in like the basic way that some people look at it. We looked at it in all the ways. Yeah. Right? E even, you know, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about some sexual stuff, like the secondary losses around yeah, that absolutely yeah so secondary losses i wrote a piece called the ripple effect a couple mm. of years ago it's one of my more popular pieces society thinks i lost my wife and i did society doesn't necessarily see the seventeen thousand forms of secondary loss that have come as a result of her passing absolutely Grief is a full body experience, which is something that a lot of people don't expect. But not only does it affect us emotionally, it also affects us physically. And this is another thing that we could go into so much more, and we most likely will in future episodes. But it's also so important to focus on our self-care because of this. So self-care for the mind, for the body, and spirit. I love that one. So I'm going to read a piece that I wrote. I might have read it before on this podcast. I'm not sure, but this is going to be my next grief truth. So it says something weird happened along the way. I began to enjoy the sun more because of the darkness. I felt the joys of laughter more because of the sadness. I was more present when present in the company of those that I enjoyed because of the quietness. And I cherish love more because of its absence. 
When I say that I was broken, that is my truth. When I acknowledge my pain, my survival, and my always evolving healing, that is my power. Your turn. Beautiful. Sorry, I was just lost in, lost in your words then. <laughs> and my final words for this episode are, you will. Oh, I got one more. You, I got one more still. That's not my final one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is my final one. Then you can say your final one. All right. Is that right? All right. That, we're doing? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> okay. You will survive this. Now, we both know, John and I both know, that losing someone you love with all of your heart is devastating. We've been there. We felt pain so intense that we thought that there was no way on earth we could get through it. We've both spent time sobbing on the floor and then crawled into a lonely bed to sleep on a tear-soaked pillow. It's hard, yet here we are, almost eight and seven years out, and not only are we still here, but we've found a life that we can once again enjoy, a life that does fulfill us. And while we'll always yearn for our spouses and wonder what could have been, we know that we can continue loving them and keeping them in our lives just in a different way than we expected. Ooh, that's a powerful one. I should have let you go last. <laughs> but I got this one in my head, so I'm going to say it. This is something I've been talking about with clients for probably about the last year or so. There are certain facts that are not going to change no matter what we do down here, right? So I'm a spiritual person. I believe I'll see Michelle again. But even if you are the world's biggest atheist, I think you can still listen to the words I'm about to say. And I think that they can still speak to you, okay? So nothing I do down here is going to change the fact that I'm not going to see Michelle down here again in the physical form. Nothing I do down here is going to change the fact that I will see her again one day on the other side, my beliefs, right? But here's where I'm going with that. If I lock myself in my home starting tomorrow morning and never leave and never talk to another person ever again, and never, ever, ever pursue peace or never, ever, ever pursue happiness or joy or a better life. It's not going to change the fact that I'm not going to see her again down here in the physical form. If the opposite is true and I decide to pursue a life of healing and peace and happiness and joy and better tomorrows, that's still not going to change the fact that I'm not going to see her Again, down here in the physical form. My belief is I will see her again up there. So when we take that into account, we might as well pursue the best life we can while we are still here. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying right away. I'm not saying if you're two months out, you need to be focused on that. No, but I'm talking about eventually. So many people, I think, struggle with that concept. Well, how can I pursue peace if they're dead? How can I pursue happiness if they're dead? If they're not getting to pursue that. But you're down here now, right? And this human experience is incredibly difficult. And I think we owe it to ourselves to try to pursue the best life that we can. Because whether we do that, or whether we completely give up on life forever, neither of those things is going to bring our person back. Mm, yes. 
thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services and other offerings, visit our websites, carolyngowacoaching.com and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief.